I actually have on my telephone here um, the first recording of this song. I don't know how to do this. On here, you'll see it's called Playing Through the Night. And that is the first, and I could actually, hold on. Let me see if you can hear this. Can you hear that? It's gonna be too much music, guys. Hold on. That's the first time it was ever spoken. And that's November 6, 2016, your wedding at Goat Hill. The night that we had there with the stage on the first tee and the palm trees in the background and the, the moon, it was such a magical experience for me um, and the fire pits. I went back to the hotel, the Spring Hill Suites in downtown Oceanside, and I felt inspired. Like that night, I wrote this song. And now I say I wrote this song. I wrote like two lines in the song. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Welcome to the Fire Pit with Matt Janella. Yet another personal episode of the Fire Pit this week, this one being special for so many reasons. Four years ago, my wife and I were looking for someone to sing at our wedding reception, which was going to be at Goat Hill Park in Oceanside, California. A friend who had heard Joe Horowitz play at the Russell Wilson Charity Golf Tournament said he'd be a perfect fit for the setting and the vibe of the party. The friend sent a link to one of Joe's videos, and we thought, hmm, mix of Ray LaMontagne and David Gray. Plus, he's a good golfer. We were in. On November 5th, 2016, on a stage on the first tee, Joe killed it with both covers and some of his originals, and we've been great friends ever since. I've also come to realize that's the same routine for everyone he meets. He's like a giant magnet of great friends. Meet Joe, love Joe. That's how it goes. More on Joe in a bit. The co-star of this podcast is Jakir King, a three-time Grammy Award-winning music producer who I met last year while playing in Jason Day's charity event in Ohio. Jakir is an avid golfer. He lives in Nashville, loves Link Soul and Buddy's trips. Again, fast friends. At the end of last year, I introduced Joe to Jakir. Let's see, a golf-loving musician who's seeking some production meets golf-loving music producer who's seeking artists who interest him. What's next now seems as though it was inevitable. Every song is a story. This is a story about the making of a song. It just happens to be the song we've adopted as the anthem to this podcast. But we're only using two lines of the song because A, that's all we needed, and B, that's all there was. But before we hear Joe and Jakir building out that song, which is quite a story, here's the backstory. Let's start with Joe, who lives on Long Island with his wife, Julie, and their six-year-old twins, Jack and Charlotte. Music has always been a part of our family. My uncles are, you know, classical pianists. My mom, uncle, and her sister are, have always been sort of folk musician, you know, at family parties right? Like the guitar has always come out at family parties. Uh, the Creedence Clearwaters, you know, the Bob Seegers, you know, covers that my family would always play. Technically, we would certainly pick up the guitar and try to mess around with it at that age, you know, six, seven, eight. But um, I really started playing it in college. You know, I really started, my, the first guitar I owned was probably sophomore year of college. Shakir King lives in Brentwood, Tennessee, a Nashville suburb, with his wife, Monet, and their sons, Matthew and Braden. He also had a childhood immersed in music. At a certain point, uh, I think things in life kind of choose you in a way. Uh, so when I was very small, you know, I was, we had a little radio in the kitchen. Um, and I remember I was probably four years old. And one of my first musical memories was he uh, hearing... Ray Charles uh, hit the road jack. And I love that song and, and um, there was a sound in that song 
that really intrigued me and it was the upright bass. And so I asked my dad, you know, like, what is that? You know, and I kind of was sort of trying to sing the part and he, you know, he said he thought it was the bass. And, um, and then I, I just sort of listened to the radio a lot and then I wanted to be a, a radio DJ when I was really young. Back to Joe, who has spent his life juggling passions for both music and golf. I've always been a very introspective person. You know, my parents were divorced when I was seven years old. And I remember in high school, even though I didn't play guitar, uh, you know, listening to Jeff Buckley, you know, and old Beatles albums and Led Zeppelin two, three, and four, and, you know, shutting the door to your room and listening to like depressing rock. Like I was always, you know, Nirvana was big, obviously when I was a teenager. Um, and I've always been a very introspective person and golf, you know, golf is an introspective sport, right? I mean, it was the one sport that I could play as a kid that I didn't need a ride to, or, I'd throw my clubs on the back of the bike and take my take my bike to Lido Golf Club, right? And guitar is like the musical version of golf because you can do it by yourself and and play it by yourself your whole life, although it's better doing it with other people. While Joe had dueling passions, Jakir, in his late teens, was trying to hone in on his. So music was just very much a part of my life. And then when I when I got to the point where I was supposed to go to college, I just really didn't want to go. And um <laughs> so, <clears throat> so I had a, I had a couple short stints in college and dropped out and, you know, it sort of caused a little bit, unfortunately caused a rift between myself and my dad and for a while. And, um, you know, I had to just sort of figure out what I was going to do with my life. So I got kind of kicked out of my, I, could, I came home from college, got kicked out of my house, out of my home from my dad didn't want me around. It's like, it's like, if this is what you're going to do, you're going to figure out your life out. And, um, I was a furniture mover and I just, I was looking through Rolling Stone magazine and I saw this ad for um, a, a, a recording school called the Recording Workshop. So I thought, well, that's pretty, that's pretty intriguing. I, I had, in my mid-teens, I sort of had tuned into the fact that, because I was a big Jimi Hendrix fan, tuned into the fact that of all the rock music that I listened to, and he's probably, he was probably my favorite guitar player, one of them, definitely. He's on my Mount Rushmore, if you will. Um, that uh, there was something going on in record making that wasn't just a band playing a song um, like I'd watch my friends do. It was, there was something else going on. So it's like, okay, well, I'm really interested in what that is. When I say Joe's a golfer, it's not really doing him justice. At the University of Richmond, he won three tournaments. He won the New York City Amateur, played in the U.S. Amateur, U.S. Pub Leagues, turned pro, played in the Canadian Tour, and missed the finals of Q School by a shot or two multiple times. There's two big misses. Um, you know, I had a four-shot lead in the Met Open with nine holes left. And the Met Open is, is historically one of the oldest golf tournaments in, in America. I had a four-shot lead with nine holes left, did not win that. Um, that was fairly devastating. The straw that broke the camel's back was... Um, I missed the U.S. Open by a shot. I bogeyed the last hole with a lob wedge in sectional qualifying um, at Canoebrook. And I just birdied the 35th hole to sort of get under the number. And then I bogeyed the last. And this was 2011, I think, 2010, so somewhere around there. And at that point, I just was like, I was 30, 31. And I'm like, this is not, this is not creating the kind of life that I want to live. Meanwhile, Jakir finished the hyper-focused recording school, top of his class. He left the outskirts of the Washington, D.C. area, and he went to Los Angeles. And having grown up in the country, he didn't love the city, so he pushed on. And then I went to San Francisco, and I got a job. I, went to, I just went there for three days, and I got a job at um, the stu a studio in, in the city called Different Fur. So in 1988, I moved out there. It was a cool time to move out there because, you know, thrash metal, bands like Metallica and Exodus were very popular. Primus had just made their first record, Faith No More. Uh, you know, that time in the late 80s, early 90s, San Francisco was an amazing town for music. And I worked, I had that, I had that studio job, which lasted about nine months, unfortunately. Um, and, um, and then I went on to do a lot of live sound. But then, so I spent... Um, I spent uh, close to 14 years living in San Francisco and uh, you know kind of one thing led to another and uh, my after kind of getting back into the studio more studio work 
um, around 97, uh, I, got a, I got a call from Tom Waits. Which begged the question, how does someone go about getting a call from Tom Waits? I had, I had a, a very traditional start to my career in learning how to record and make records on analog. But when the digital technology came along, I was an early adopter. And um, so I had a bit of a reputation of being able to, to do the old school stuff and the new school stuff. And um, so Tom was asking around for somebody in the Bay Area that knew Pro Tools, but that was also had traditional recording skills. And so that, that sort of inquiry eventually led to one of the studio owners. And he said, well, no, it's not me. You want to talk to Jakir. Answer the phone. And uh, he says, oh, good. I'm glad you're home. He's like, stay there. And stay there. Tom Waits is going to call you. <laughs> I'm like, no way. You're I'm like, is this a joke? And he's like, nope. And he, he explained it to me. And I, and, um, and I was like, okay. I just, yeah, I just sat on, I just sat on my, my bed and with my phone right in front of me and waited, I waited for about an hour. And then Tom Waits called me and he said, Jakir, it's like, you know, he's like asking me a bunch of questions and he lives up in, you know, the North Bay. Um, and that was a, a studio that he'd been working at. He'd made a couple records there. He asked me if I'd be willing to kind of come up there and meet with he and Kathleen, his wife, and sort of do an interview. And I was like, yeah, tell me I'm right. I'm there. While Jakir worked with Waits, Joe has also been on stage with some recognizable names. John Oates, Don Felder from the Eagles, uh, Joe Don from Rascal Flats, Toby Keith, Darius Rucker, Pat Monahan, um, obviously Adrian Young, my friend the drummer, who I always tell you is a drummer, from No Doubt, um, Todd from Sublime. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting, you know, Colt Ford, Jake Owen, um, everybody who's at the AT&T, right, you share a stage with. I mean, I shared a stage with Clint Eastwood and Toby Keith singing the weight from the band, right? It's like I'm arm in arm. I'm literally arm in arm with Toby Keith and Clint Eastwood. And I'm just like, hey, guys. <laughs> you know, It's crazy when I think about how lucky I've been in the music world. And, and a lot of that has to do because of my entry through the game of golf. Jakir worked with Tom Waits on three albums, including Mule Variations, which in 1999 won them both a Grammy in the category of Best Contemporary Folk Album. That led to working with Buddy Guy. That led to, um, you know, Modest Mouse. And, you know, Modest Mouse leads to Kings of Leon and, you know, so many. I've been fortunate. I've made hundreds of records, you know, and um, it's... Uh, some, but you know, it's, it's like, it's kind of like golf, you know, it's like, uh, you, you have to play a lot of tournaments to have a shot to win, to win. And then, you know, to have a shot at the majors, you just gotta, just gotta stay at it. If you want to have a long, fruitful career, just because, you know, of all these records I've made, there's, there's a handful that people know me for, and that's fine. You know, I've made a lot of beautiful records that no one's heard or not many people have heard. Uh, and I don't do it, I, I never did it to be known and successful necessarily. I did it because it's the, it's an art and craft that I really, that captures my imagination. I'm really passionate for and and I can get up every day and just really work super hard, um, you know, for it. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just brought a lot of, I brought a lot of things, you know, and, and I'm probably most known, I'm probably most known for my records with Kings of Leon. I made, I made three records with them as well. Most notably, only by the Night, which in 2008 received seven Grammy nominations and it won Record of the Year, which is about the time Joe is in his late 20s. His highest ranking, as what he describes as, quote, an off-Broadway tour pro, was 510th in the world. And at that point, I don't know, subconsciously, it was like, this is the peak of where your golf is going to be. And I was okay with that because I met great people and saw the world. Would I have liked to gotten to the PGA Tour? Absolutely. But music started knocking on my door saying, hey, like, I'm kind of fun too. And, you know, like, I think, I think you can get a lot of fulfillment out of me as well. And I started chasing that and getting invited to do some great things through music. And, you know, the, the, the Monday after the Masters and the AT&Ts and those sorts of things. And then golf the whole time was like, don't forget about me. You know, like, I'm, I'm still... I'm still you, right? And I feel like I, I've done, I've had the most success at both things, golf and music, 
when they both are complementary of each other and they both take pressure off of each other. I feel like the best is yet to come for both things. You know, that, that doesn't mean that I'm going to make the PGA Tour and be ranked top 200 in the world. I, that's gone for me. My goals of, of go, or go, on golf are I want to play in the U.S. Open and I want to play in a British Open, you know, and I want to compete in some of the other events I plan. But I don't go and hit balls four hours a day. Like, I know that those guys are so much better than me on a day-in and day-out basis. I don't have the desire to hit those amount of golf balls. But I know that I can compete with the world's best a few times a year. And that's all I'm asking for. And, you know, with music, like, I'll play music my whole life. And as you've seen on this podcast, like, I'm getting opportunities through the game of golf with Jakir, with you, that I never would have gotten if I was just a musician. And vice versa. I'm getting opportunities by playing in the AT&T that I never would have gotten if I didn't have music. Which all leads up to this project. Jakir King helping Joe Horowitz write, produce, and eventually record the song that is the anthem for this podcast. I'm trying to like gather myself here and not get too emotional because I don't want to screw this up, right? Like having the opportunity to work with Jakir, who is, you know, I mean, he's, you could, you could say he's like the Mount Rushmore of producing, at least in my genre of music. You know, Tom Waits has always been a hero of mine musically. And I'm getting very emotional thinking about this opportunity. I mean, how could you not as a musician, right? Like you can play in your basement and you can play on stage with these people and sing, sing cover songs and sing your own songs. But to, to get the opportunity to work with somebody and craft a piece of art with somebody who, who's crafted things that should be in music museums is an opportunity that I'm not taking lightly and will be something that I will cherish the rest of my life, whatever happens in music. And so in a series of four Zoom sessions, the first being in late April, the fourth being mid-June, we sat in and recorded production sessions with Joe and Jakir. We start with Joe from session one in late April. The song itself, um, you know, was definitely birthed at Goat Hill, but it's never been finished. And it's sort of one of these things where, like, the first time I was, the first time I was ever at Goat Hill, right, it was your wedding. That's where I met you. Leaving there, I was in the Spring Hill Suites uh, in Oceanside. And, you know, we had a couple of pops at your wedding. And it was like one in the morning. I just wasn't tired. And I had my guitar. And I was like, that place, Goat Hill, is like magic. And I didn't know anything about Ashworth or, you know, obviously knew who he was and knew who you were. But there was something like about that piece of property. I mean, we set up this stage on the first tee where the palm trees were framing the stage and the stars were out. And I was like, this place is so cool. Like, it needs a song. Jakir lays out the plan for not only this song, but also for what he and Joe plan on doing beyond that. It's pretty amazing what Joe just shared about um, writing the idea for the song and Go Hill Park and how it connects to your podcast. And I think the idea is brilliant, actually, because it gives us, it's like a, it's a microcosm of what we're already attempting to do, because you've identified a song that's Joe's, and it, now it has a very clear purpose. We're, we're going to turn it into a, like a finished theme song for the fire pit. And being able to document and engage in this sort of process is, with like this real purpose is um, it's kind of magical to me as well in that we now have created a small sort of task, if you will, small goal that actually will feed into what Joe and I are going to do sort of longer term. As we get closer to unveiling the finished product, the song, will occasionally check in on the actual recording session, which took place at Jakir's Nashville recording studio on June 16th. Here, Joe picks a guitar. What do you think, Joe? I think that as... Jakir said, it takes about 40 years for a guitar to forget it's a tree. This guy 
He knows he's a guitar at this point. This is no tree, but it's a beautiful old tree. Storyteller. This is a storytelling guitar, yeah. Back to Joe and April on the process they're about to embark on. I think I've struggled as a songwriter to see through certain ideas. And I mean, when I met, first time I met Jakir, like I expressed that to him. So this process for me, like I'm looking forward to it selfishly to learn from a master, right? And, and understand production, songwriting process. And hopefully, you know, what comes out of this you know, you can't, you can't finish a song and say, that's going to be great, right? You just finish a song and say, that song is finished. And then hopefully people connect to it and, and dig it. That's what I'm looking forward to. It's also helpful because, you know, trying to tell this, an artist's story with such a, a broad body of work, it's, there's, there's a lot to sort of sift through and sort out, where this is just very, you know, very direct. We have one song, one purpose. There's, you know, there's more context to it. Um, so it's... Uh, it's a pretty exciting, pretty exciting little adventure we're about to take off on. Here's Jakir again during session one on the role of a producer. You just have to help them find their truth. And it ties into what Joe was saying about, you know, no, no throwaway line. And it needs to be a little bit, it's not that you have to, you know, dive deep into your emotions and spill your guts, but, it, but the truth needs to be reflected. Some sort of truth needs to be reflected in a lyric so that um, when the singer, songwriter presents it, that it feels genuine. And it's, it's not just, um, just not words on a page. This roof is pretty sturdy on the garage here, but I'm, I might jump through it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I mean, listen, listen, listening to Jakir talk about, you know, the excitement to work with me is like, it's like listening to Tiger talking about like, yeah, I'm excited to play golf with Matt Janella. Like, this is, this is great. <laughs> Which like, would I'm, never happen. The, the, the difference there is that would never happen. This is actually happening, you know? This is actually, yeah. actually happening. <laughs> never <laughs> say never, say never, baby. Back in Nashville, Joe and Jakir have picked the perfect mic. They're dialing in the specifics and they're a couple takes in. so nice though. I'm glad you like it. Oh, it's beautiful. So, Dawson, can we add this this guy? Yep. Okay, sorry. Just add this. Just need a little bit more grit and yeah, a little more grit fire pit. Grit fire pit. Some smoke. We need some more smoke. What do you think, Joe? I think he's got a future. Yeah. yeah. He's gonna make it. I'm gonna make it out of here alive. No, this is very special. Um, I like getting taken care of. I don't really have to do much except just sing and play. This is very nice. Before we broke from session one, the theme was songwriting. Songwriting is very tricky because there's it's a very short story and you know some some songs only have maybe four to eight lines in them that actually tell the story and the rest of it is just an emphasis of the bigger what the bigger meaning or you know catchphrases i guess there honestly have been songs and song ideas that i wake up in the middle of the night and and 70 percent of the song is written in two and a half minutes you know, like you, you just wake up, the idea comes to you, and in two and a half minutes, you have 70% of the body of the song. This, this particular song is not like that, because the one little nugget of the song that we have and that we're using so far, to put another log in the fire, you know, nobody here is getting tired. That's like the only part of the song that I like right now. <laughs> I think he's spot on when, you know, songwriters think like, okay, it's gotta be three minutes and 34 seconds. And there's gotta be a verse, first chorus, verse, first chorus. Otherwise people aren't gonna like it. And I'm not saying I always fall into that trap, but I definitely have, you know, 
had a foot or two caught in that trap. Once we feel like we've got the song written, uh, then yeah, we'll move into like uh, the recording and then we'll talk about how we feel like we want to present that recording. Is it just, is it just Joe and the guitar? Um, is there, is there other instrumentation? What is the, how do we, how do we flush it out? How do we make it feel like it, it stands up as a record? Um, and just kind of keep, keep incrementally taking it through that process and um, then we'll be done. As we check back in on Nashville, Jakir talks us through the overarching vibe, the theme and the volume of the song as it relates to a fire pit, Joe and his voice. Yeah, that's why there's the restraint. I mean, restraint is not always the move, but the restraint in this is just so that you, it provides the opportunity of that reflection, that sort of like letting your guard down, sharing something and having that reflection and like paying attention to what the other person's saying, like having a real exchange. Yeah, there's no yelling. Yeah. <laughs> there's no top of the register screaming at each other. You probably get asked to leave the fire pit. <laughs> Forcefully ejected. Session one ends in songwriting swing tips that ultimately resonate with Joe. Just in terms of writing, um, writing for this, Joe, I think you could just um, tell a few different stories. You know, just or like, like just come up with uh, as many thoughts as you can that tell tell little stories that maybe you've heard or you would share around the fire pit, and just end every you know, just just like try to come up with like I don't know three or four lines that tell a little bit of a story and that you can all and you can always direct it to end in put another log on the fire and just do that over and over and over again and when you collect enough when you feel like okay well i've i've got a bunch of stories if i don't really feel like i have any more that i want to document then we can then we can kind of look at like okay well how do we what's the best of let's take the hit let's take the, the, the strong things and tie it all together i don't think you need to really right now think about the, the song in its larger uh, form, I just think just tell little stories that you that you can lead you into the line of, you know, putting another log on the fire. I'm with you. I'm telling you right now, like, that's the first time this song has ever made sense to me, is what you just said. Like, it's the first time I've ever seen a, an actual structure in my head where, like, I see a start and a finish now. A week later, Joe reflects on the inspiration of session one. That night, you know, I just went down sort of, you know, to the area where I create in my basement and uh, sat there for a few hours and just sort of pumped out, you know, a version, right? And um, I don't know what will remain in this version, in the completed version, but I feel like the framework of this and at least the ideas that have sort of been created, I think you'll be able to correlate this version with the final version. He sent me two versions of it. He sent me uh, a lower keyed version first, and then I think he did a, and then there was a little bit of a lyric rewrite. He sent me the, he sent me the lyric sheet as well, um, and then did it in the in the in the key that we know the song to be. And then I think I think there was something intriguing about the lower key, um, but I think well for two reasons that it's already been heard in the key that it exists in the beginning of you know in your podcast, but um, it does feel. It does feel a little more memorable and up. Uh, the, the lower key one's a little darker and more mysterious, which is which I kind of gravitate towards that stuff sometimes. But the, uh, the the original key seems to serve the song really, really well. Um, I think Joe did a great job. I, I have to pull the lyric up here. I think he did a great job adding to those. You know that uh, put a lot log on the fire. Nobody here is getting tired. You know the next lines are settle down and settle in. The story's just about to begin. I love it. That covers session two. But in Nashville, on recording day, Joe is definitely benefiting from Jakir's production and process, but also his delivery. His being and the way he is as a human feeds into the songs that you write and you create, and especially when you record. And you like, somebody who, I'm not saying this because he's here, but he is here. But somebody who exudes the amount of, you know, restraint and compassion in music, like you're forced to create that in a great way. And there's a lot of things that, you know, I'm still learning as a musician, 
I like to try less, you know, and feel more. And, you know, use all the clubs in your bag, right? Like, you don't have to get up there and hit driver every time, like Takir said. And it's great to see it, you know, tangibly in action because you talk about it and you mess around. But when you're down here, like, this is, you know, the proof is in the pudding down here. Session three, three weeks after our first Zoom call, the report is progress. I feel like the song is fully written now. Wow. I feel like it's great. Um, there's a, there, there's a few, yeah, I mean, it, it's awesome. I, um, I love it. Uh, there's a few things in the, um, that we just have to sort of work out in person, uh, maybe drop a, a word here or there just to sort of work on the, the way the vocal phrasing kind of fits, you know, uh, depending on the rhythm. You know, when you're singing something live, there's like live versions of songs and lyrics, and then there's like recorded versions of songs and lyrics. And the live, I've done way more live songs in my life than recorded. And it's easy to sort of sneak a word in there in a live performance and people not pay attention. It's very hard to do that on a recorded version of anything. You can't just slip yeah. a word in there. As, as I was so eloquently told, uh, one of the first, one of the records I made, they were like, you know, when, when you sign off on a lyric and, and a recording, like it's, it's there forever. So you better you better be in love with every single word. And I think I actually shared this with you about, you know, not just finishing a song to finish a song or not just finish a phrase to finish a phrase. Like you have to be so cautious because every word can turn off a generation. And yeah, if you think of it that way, like there's no throwaway lines, you know, in, in recorded music. So no, there, well, there definitely shouldn't be. Yeah. Progress is also being made in Nashville, where we should take a second to appreciate the role of Dawson, the intern. Yeah, you know what? Let's get let's get through a really a yeah. good pass that you and I feel good about that we can listen to, and you can yeah. kind of crack a beer, and we can yeah. sort of, and you can kind of go go back in there with some confidence. Yeah, it's so cool. Do some push-ups. <laughs> you need an intern. <laughs> I'll take Dawson's job. Come on. <laughs> Are you technically the intern? No, he's he's the man. Whatever. He yeah, is. I was gonna say you seem to be. He's he's wrapping up his internship. Oh, really? Transferring into yeah. Trend. Yeah. Yeah. So. I have a feeling you're going to be good at what you do. Oh, well, thank you very much. I have a feeling you're that. already. <laughs> <laughs> We're all you guys are using, this you're is right. a whole other language. This is a whole other language. This is like, that's so <clears throat> deep. <laughs> Y'all tuned up, Buzz? I am. Dawson, are you sitting down? I am sitting down. Stand up for one sec. While you're up, you want to get me some water? Now that's the intern. Oh, really, the intern. Yeah. 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 So uh, what temperature you like here? Yeah, oh, you 64. 64. As they wrap session three, Jakir reiterates restraint and why that's critical to this song in particular. This is a really wonderful opportunity where um, this is a little bit more understated. It, it, Like you said, Matt, it does... Because he's singing low and kind of quiet, and you, you feel like he's singing just for you, and you, you're kind of in close, it makes it feel special and important. He's not trying to shout and get anybody's attention. It's just like, hey, if you know, you know, and you're just going to sit here, and you're going to listen quietly, and, you know, you're, you, you know, you'll feel what I'm feeling. I don't, you know, I don't have to shout at you or get your attention. It's just like, we're, you know, we're here, we're here to, to be present, and that's kind of one of the, the the, the things that kind of happens with using this particular gear for this song, you know, it never, it's never going to get loud. It's never going to shout. It's always going to be of this sort of this tenor and um, dynamic, you know, and it's, it really is engaging. It makes, it makes it more powerful. In session four, we start to hear it all come together. The story is written. Tone is set, but the bridge is an issue. Why don't we just pick the song up? I mean, you could start on chorus too if you want to get into it, but but I'd love to hear love to hear myself and share with Matt just verse two on out, and let's see if let's see if there's any more lyric amending we want to do, and, and and just sort of where that's at. Okay, um, I'll sort of I'll do the second chorus into the second verse. Put another log on the fire. But a year is getting tired. Settle down and settle in. The story here is about to begin. 
tales were told of war and gold, with lovers lost and lifelong, dreams that were sold. Maybe you should stop and listen to the wisdom in the air. Or maybe you should pour your heart out, being going nowhere. Find your mercy in the sounds. The smoke gets pushed around in your soul. Put another log on the fire. Nobody here is getting tired. Settle down in settle in. The story here's about to begin. second verse right and the bridge was the bridge is still something that i think needs work whether it's simply instrumental whether there's some vocal accompaniment whether we punt it all together you know? i have a question for you joe yeah can you play harmonica sure okay i think i think the bridge should just be that length of instrumental with like a little bit of harmonica over because i can see you know because i can see this you know troubadour sitting around the campfire or the fire pit with his guitar and you know one of those with those heart, yeah. you know with the heart basket around your neck and you just and you just you just play you just play a little melody in the bridge kind of make me feel kind of make me feel the the you know sort through the smoke in my soul you know and uh and i think this should be i think i think that'd be i think that just would make sense and just feel feel cool you know just like put a little harp in there you think um maybe start with a little bit of that too to sort of tie it in at the end or like no i think it'd just be a moment before we all descended upon nashville we had one final check-in session this phase of, of a rec recording project i would call pre-production this is sort of the writing and pre-production preparation stage i feel like we have not nailed the ending down yet um and we have to prove that my idea about a harmonica in the bridge could work but that to me is like okay the song is great, you know, the, the vibe of the song is great. It's, it's all there. It's now really just down to a little bit of execution. I mean, I, I feel like we're ready to go. I would, I would love to have the ending be a little bit shorter. I think, I think the harmonica um, and the bridge would be great. And, and the rest of the song is, you know, other than the few lyric things that we're gonna, that we've addressed and we might tight, tighten up a couple other small things, but I feel like we're like, we're ready to rock. It's time to like schedule the session. Game. I feel the same way. Um, I, I appreciate all your sentiments there too, as, as far as leaving, you know, the finishing touches to be done in person. Like, I think that's so important because there's nothing, nothing can replicate, you know, like the, the smell of a studio and the, the vibe you have with another human, you know, and, and even, you know, sharing a beer after a session and an idea pops in, like, you can't- After, we have to wait till after? During the session. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so it's June 16th. We're in studio to stay now. Joe is swapping out the guitar for the harp. This is a harmonica. Fender. I, I did a little bit of research on harmonicas, and you can go as big as you want. You can spend 500 bucks on harmonica if you want. I did not do that. I bought a bunch of them. 
because of the different keys. And this is, uh, this is the first song I've ever recorded with a harmonica. I'm kind of disappointed in myself that it took this long. But I'm happy we're here. How's it going, Shakir? It's going fantastic. We're going to put the icing on the cake right now. Why the harmonica, do you think? You know, it's just sort of a classic Dylan storytelling. Thanks, make me think of Neil Young too, and a lot of, a lot of different, a lot of different troubadours. Joe put down about twelve takes that day, and at some point, they decided to eliminate the third chorus. The instrumental starts. No, it's a bridge. It's an A minor. It's an A. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> can, can we just see how how that might feel? Could you? You could either start on the second verse or the second pre-chorus. Then you'd go into the harmonica. Okay, so skip the second chorus. Well, it's the third chorus, technically, because we start on a chorus. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. Where, so that's, right. that's where I go, because that's, cause I'm, I'm saying that's the third chorus because we start on a chorus. Let me see if I can, good. yeah, let me just get it, let me see if I can get into yeah, it. Yeah, so. Find your mercy in I got chills in here, man. Uh, I think, yeah, I mean, I don't think we should. I don't think we should change the bridge. No, I mean, like, okay. Well, if you got chills, then I got chills. Well, and Matt did too. I did too. All told, we were in the studio after breakfast and left before dinner, but not before finding out Joe had only been playing the harmonica for three weeks. Could be done. <laughs> <laughs> What's the number on that? Um, 269.45. Could be done. I like, I like that. that. It, it feels soft. Yes. It settled in. It's just, yeah. <laughs> the theme of the whole. It's so fun to play this thing. You're pretty good at it, man. I, feel I mean, like, you're really good at it. Literally the first time I've done it. Really? Three weeks ago. I mean, as really, you know, like, when, I, when I threw out the suggestion, you didn't even blink, though. You're like, no, you're, you're like, yeah, yeah, you're like, I've never played this before. No, but like, I've played, you know, as a kid, like, you blew one of these things. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, yeah. But I'm like, how hard could be? That really pisses me off, actually. I really don't need to hear that. I'm not, I really want to punch you in the face. Well, no, you know what it comes down to, though? Like people like that. I just well, picked it up. I don't know. I'll tell you what it feels like for me, because I'm, I'm not a very good lead guitar player, like solos and stuff. And I've always hummed them in my head, in my own songs. Like, oh, this would be good here. Like, or whistle, like, doo 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 And that's what this is. Right? You just, it's, a it's like whistle. a solo. It's a better whistle. But that's what it is. Like, it's my extension to be creative mm -hmm. and, like, lead. And in my head, I've always played them, but I'm just having been talented. Well, shall we listen again? One more time from the top. Yeah. Remember, every song is a story, and this is a story about a song, which Joe calls the story, and it's produced by Jakir King. Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Settle down and settle in The story here is about to begin The circle's starting to take its shape Seats are filled and the tired sun plans its escape And everybody's got some glory just waiting to unfold And everybody's got some story just 
waiting to be told The place for that is here All those smiles and all those tears Let them go Put another log on the fire Nobody here is getting tired Settle down and settle in The story here is about to begin Tales were told of war and gold Lovers lost in a lifetime's dreams that were sold Maybe you should stop and listen at the wisdom in the air Maybe you should pour your heart out, we ain't going anywhere Find your mercy in the sound As the smoke gets pushed around in your soul So that's it. A night at Goat Hill Park almost four years ago, which leads to the last four months. And this story has come to an end. That song lives forever. Before we go, some reflections on the finished product. It's funny how it started with just me, you know, in a, in a bathroom at a fire pit. You know, it started at the fire pit, then I started writing it in the hotel. And then it ended with, you know, the final recording is just me. Obviously with, you know, the production of Jakir and discussion with you, but like that's always how this song was supposed to be. It was supposed to be this stripped down version of this is what, you know, the stories of a fire pit and the sounds of a fire pit. So that's, you know, that's kind of where my thought process is. In terms of record making, I, I'm always looking for a feeling. Uh, I don't really have a, an absolute definite idea in my mind about what something should be before we start. So it's, it's just kind of about taking a journey and trying to figure out how to tell the story of the song and how the artist relates to it and how to make the best presentation of it. So, um, you know, I, but I, like I said, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I conjured it all up in my head. I mean, we definitely have the context of the origins of the song and, uh, the purpose of turning this into an anthem for the podcast, which is the fire pit. It's about telling stories. You know, that also influenced um, the key that we chose. You know, it's different than, it's different than what was originally written. It's a little bit lower. It makes it feel a little bit more intimate. It makes, makes me, and I think it makes it the emotion of wanting to listen. So I think it helps draw you in by lowering the key a little bit. Um, and this has been a good, this has been a good thing you know, because Joe and I started a conversation about making records together before you presented this idea to us, Matt. So um, this actually played into some of the things that I want to help um, develop and nurture with Joe's music and, and him as a performer. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of like it's just kind of been a perfect thing. It's been magical. And I am. Uh, uh, just really pleased with the outcome and the emotion and the storytelling that it, it has in it. 
The Story by Joe Horowitz is now available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your music. And I'm guessing it's not the last you'll hear from these guys. Me and Takir have discussed many different platforms, and but it starts with the music, right? Everything starts with the music. So that's that's what's next. You know, continue to write, continue to um, hone hone in all the things that I've learned from Jakir and from you in this process, and um, hopefully get back in the studio as soon as possible. Jakir, do you have a favorite fire pit? Uh, up at uh, Forest Dunes. Uh, Lou Thompson's backyard just felt like the way a fire pit's supposed to and it was a good group of people that I was there with and uh, Lou told a great story uh, that you made a podcast out of I was very honored to be there and kind of hear that and uh, just to hear his story like it's you know I have similar family stories and you know in my in my circle or my family and it just felt it just felt very comfortable felt very inviting um, you know, that's a special place up there for us, Dune. So I just kind of, you know, I dug it. I've not, you know, I've not been around a lot of fire pits in my life, uh, oddly enough. Um, and, uh, you know, as a teenager, we would make bonfires, but that, that kind of was a different environment. It wasn't a story. It wasn't a gathering at the end of the day, kind of storytelling place. It was kind of like a party atmosphere. So, um, I've, you know, I've not had a lot of experience with it. And that was a, that's a, that's a recent thing. And it just, it just felt right to me. When people ask my favorite golf course, I have a one and a one A and it's Pebble and Cypress and they can kind of interchange based on the day. So I have two of them and it's, it's Bandon and it's the Goat, Goat Hill. And uh, for, for different reasons, I would tend, I would, I would put Goat Hill, maybe like tiny notch above Bandon. Both spectacular, but there's something about Goat Hill. I mean, I wrote the damn song there, right? That's where it started. So I, I have to, there is something that pulls me there between Professor, you know, Professor Beams and John and you, like, it's hard. And I'm getting chills thinking about it. So that means Goat Hill is one and Band is one A. Are you looking for good value on great golf apparel? As a listener to this podcast, my friends John Ashworth and Jeff Cunningham at Link Soul in Oceanside, California, are offering you a 25% discount on all future orders of what I wear all day, every day, on and off the course. Whenever you go to linksoul.com, just use promo code MattyG25, M-A-T-T-Y-G-25. Thank you for listening to The Fire Pit. It's produced by Alex Upegi. It's edited by Rex Lint. The theme song is by Joe Horowitz. Please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, and we might track you down and send you one of our new Imperial Rope Hats. Got a question, comment, or a story for us to track down? You can find me on Twitter at Matt Janella or on Instagram at Matt underscore Janella. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to The Fire Pit on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to a story like this one. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is where we post portions of our podcast and add some visual surprises.